Hello and welcome to episode 264 of Smarts, which as you know stands for... Spin-off met with apathy resulting in truncated storyline. Oh no! Okay, well, I don't know what that's referring to, but I'm sad. Um, That's a very good acronym, by the way. You should have seen the one that I came up with 15 seconds ago. It was no bueno. Okay, I am your host, Julia Gula of Internet Fame Dash Podcaster, and with me, as always, hello, is... You don't want to introduce yeah. yourself? You can always do it. Okay, yeah. Rudiger Q Podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> it's true, I always do. A.K.A. Trevor. A.K.A. Trevor. Ready That's for right. news? Yes. So, unfortunately, it seems like the long hibernating, what word do you want to use? Uh, Green Arrow and the Canaries spinoff for Arrow is not moving forward. This is going to be the series that was going to feature Mia in the future with Dinah and Laurel fighting crime and being ladies. And uh, <laughs> no, 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 they weren't going to be ladies. They were going to be ladies, but not for your amusement be, for that. They were going to be ladies, but not ladies. That's right. Exactly. Okay. All right. Only one L. Yes. Not 14. As um, you just stuffed in there. So it looks like it's not happening. So, I mean, you never know with these things. Um, I mean, I think the writing was probably on the wall when it went, we went like a year without hearing anything about it. Yeah, maybe. Um, who knows? I mean, maybe this will get retooled for and go like they'll do like a straight to streaming thing or, yeah. or I don't or HBO Max will decide to air it or whatever um I'm not sure they shot any of it I mean because they, they did there wasn't a pilot ordered right like that's the yeah. whole point of a backdoor pilot so I don't think they've shot anything beyond what we've what we've seen what we saw yeah but hopefully there will be something and as we've talked about many times even if there's nothing I imagine that they will hopefully resolve some of those storylines or or have some of those characters recur or guest star in one of the other shows. I mean, Legends is the obvious candidate mm-hmm. so that we can at least get some closure on that. But yeah, that's too be bad. nice. Yeah, that's a bummer. Oh. I mean, maybe they just decided the all, the all the other shows they have in the works, not just new shows that are debuting like Superman and Lois, but also the Wonder Girl show, mm-hmm. Naomi, Painkiller, mm-hmm. um, are more promising than just sort of an Arrow rehash. You know, yeah. maybe they, maybe they want to keep keep it more diverse in terms of like the properties that they're tapping, who knows? Mm-hmm. But so that's unfortunate, but it, that looks like where we stand right now. Um, in lighter news, so we, we talked a while ago about the different DC animated movies that are coming up. The next one is going to be, uh, as of as of today, the Batman Soul of the Dragon movie premiered. So the next one coming up is going to be Justice Society World War II, which we men- pr- mentioned previously, but we didn't really know anything about it. From the preview image that they just released, along with this announcement, it looks like it's it's got the same art style as the Superman Men of Tomorrow movie, which we still haven't watched. Mm-hmm. This is the, the that's the new Superman origin story animated movie that was, if successful, going to kick off a new shared universe of animated movies, kind of like the previous shared universe oh. of animated movies that just ended with okay. Apocalypse War. Mm-hmm. The art style for this looks identical, so I'm guessing that this is, you know. A prequel to that. So we've got they the last movie established Superman in the present. And now we're jumping back to show the Justice Society during World War II. Huh. Um, the cast looks interesting. Most most of the names I'm not not familiar with, but the two that the two headliners that they talk about are and I'm not quite sure how to pronounce her name. The lady lady from Castle, Stana Kadic 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 like it runs with Attic. I think okay. So she's going to be playing Wonder Woman. I'm not. A, yeah, I'm not a hundred percent. Sure, on the pronunciation, to be honest, but yes, I know who exa- okay. exactly. Did you ever mean. watch Castle? I love Castle. Okay, Are so she's going to be playing Wonder Woman. And Matt Bomer, who we know, of course, as Larry Trainer from Doom Patrol, yeah. is going to be playing Jay Garrick. Whoa, nice. Not his first time doing voice for them. He voiced Superman in Superman Unbound, and he was really great at it. And I still think yeah. he would make an awesome live action Superman, I know, he too. would, he would. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so they're the main headliners. Cool. And so I imagine that that um, they'll do this movie, and then even if they don't do a sequel to this, if they continue with this shared universe, we will see some of these same characters, but older mm-hmm. in the present day and mm-hmm. future movies. Um, but it's it's cool because, I mean, a Justice Society animated movie is something that we've never seen before, but I really think that the JSA is going to get a big push this year. I mean, they're back in the comics, you know, with not just after Doomsday Clock, but now after Death Metal, you know, all that is back. Um, obviously, everybody's talking about the JSA and those legacies because of Stargirl. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems from the little Infinite Frontier preview image that they released that Alan Scott and his kids are going to have some sort of prominent role in the comics this year. Jay Garrick, I'm sure, will continue to play an important role in the Flash stuff. Um, yeah, so I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a, a good year for the JSA. I mean, hopefully they'll get their own ongoing series again for the first time in ten or twelve years or whatever to get. I mean, get Tom Taylor to write it. Get. I mean, he clearly as much as as much as it seems like he enjoys killing them off and doing horrible things to them in the Injustice Year Zero that we just read. It's clear that he he loves like Alan. You can't read that and say, oh, he he clearly loves Alan Scott, right? Mm-hmm. Like you read those those issues. I think he'd be a fantastic choice to write a JSA series, but. I mean, there's nothing that's been announced yet, but I, I still think it's going to be a, a good year for the JSA, and this mm-hmm. looks like it's going to be a fun movie. I agree. So should we move on to our comics of the week? Yes, I'm ready. What was your comic of the week? Can't remember. You picked Future State Harley Quinn number one. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. There were a, f- a couple of Future States that I really enjoyed, but I had to pick this one because, honestly, it was the, I think, to me, I love Harley, but, um, and so, of course, I'm a little biased towards storylines that have her in it and that are written well. But um, this one was really interesting because I love that she's the whole premise is that she's locked up for the majority of the issue, but she's using her brains and her wits to better her situation and also to capture criminals, which is an interesting premise. And it's interesting to see that um, Professor Crane is somehow been rehabilitated and is now helping capture these people. So I've got so many questions. It was a very interesting issue. The art was really fun. The staging was also really fun. Like you see that she's maintaining her fitness while she's in this cell by herself. It's just um, like doing handstands and stuff while she's having conversations and stuff. I just think the the it's a very three dimensional portrayal of her character. She's great. So, but the storyline is also interesting and great. So that's why I had to pick for my comic of the week this time. What'd you pick? So I enjoyed a bunch of the future statements too. I really enjoyed the next Batman. That um, was great, yeah. But I mean, I love the Nick Darrington art and the the John Ridley uh, story is really good so far. Um, but it's it's so early in that that I feel like we we've only gotten a taste of it yet. But I really enjoyed. So, but I'm picking the I want to pick the future state Swamp Thing number one, which nice. I thought is sort of a cool a post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. Swamp Thing story where the Earth is seemingly now almost entirely populated by like plant creatures that he created as his children mm-hmm. and their descendants or something because it seems like some of them don't a lot of them don't really respect him very much or think of him as like their progenitor so mm-hmm. it's like is there like other multiple generations here or is it just that some were created so long ago mm-hmm. that they think of themselves now as his peers or his elders even in some cases so i don't you know it's the interesting relationships there and then the idea of this being like this winter wasteland that they venture to which i guess is like canada basically <laughs> Um, they find humans there and there's experiments that are being conducted there seemingly by Jason Woodrue that are using obsidian mm-hmm. for something. And so, But the idea that he's got this whole race of plants, but he can't like plant children, like mm-hmm. this whole... But they fam- have their own identity and autonomy. Right, but they have their own, but also their own 
civilization and their own culture and priorities, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but he just can't let go of the fact that there might be humans still out there somewhere and he wants to help them too. Mm-hmm. And even if it gets some of his people killed, and so they're like, wait a minute, like, are their lives worth more than ours now? Like, you're one of us. Why do you care about these humans, right? Right, like, right. They've never even probably even well, seen Well, some humans. of them have seen that, and some of them are curious about why they're um, helping him look for humans, but at the same time, they trust that he has an idea in mind, like they trust that there's a reason behind it, and so they're going along with it. The majority of them are supportive, and then you've got the descenders in the group um, who who are you know, naysaying it every step of the way, including this blueberry guy who who's like constantly in Swamp Thing's face. But yeah, that was a good issue. Yeah. That was fun. So that's why I picked that one. Nice. Good choice. So should we move on to our activity? I am ready. So this week, because we are approaching the halfway point of Turn A Gundam, Okay. I thought we would rate the main Turn A Gundam characters. Like how much are we enjoying them so far? How interesting do we find them? How, how are we enjoying their okay, story arc so far? Okay, so I've got what I would call... What are I would, you rating one to five? Sure, if you want. Um, so or I would, are you ranking them? No, rate. Okay. So I would say these are the, the six main characters. So the number one, obviously, Laurent Seahawk. I love him. He's a five. That's a five for you? That's a five for me. Honestly, he's, he's pretty flawless, to be honest. He's a good guy who has his blind spots, um, and he's a young kid who's figuring stuff out. But he's honestly... I think of all the teenage protagonists of Gundam that I've ever seen, he is the most optimistic and bright yeah. and, un, so, I don't know, undamaged, I, I suppose. I, I like him, and I think that he's a good protagonist for this series because I think that his character is perfectly suited to the story that he's in where he's sort of he's sort of the, the idealistic type that's caught between two worlds yes. and he wants to help both. I think that if you had someone like... Um, even Amaro or yeah. Camille or, or someone like that in there, they, they wouldn't it wouldn't work as well for no. the story. But I find him less interesting as a character because he is he is probably like the purest, most kind hearted, simplest Gundam protagonist we've had so far. I like him because of it. That's yeah, why I, he's a I, five for me. I like him for those reasons, yeah. but he also ha- I I think has less depth Complexity. as a result. That's for sure. Know? Yeah. So that that knocks him down a little bit in my estimation. I, I like him for, for what he is and, and and his character in the context of the storyline, but just in a vacuum, like how interesting do you find this character? Hmm. So far it's, you know, I, I haven't enjoyed, I haven't found him as intriguing as some of the other characters. Sure, fair. He's he's like one of the least, so in this series, I would say relatively speaking, he's one of, one of my, one of the characters that I find the least intriguing, you know, even though he's the protagonist. I find some of the other characters like, oh, what's going on with this character? Oh, what are I, they going to do in this you. situation? Like, because with him, he's like, oh, he's always going to try to help everybody and do the right thing and so on, which is which is fine. And I do agree that it sets him apart from some of the other main protagonists. So what's your rating? I would probably say four. I would yeah, say four. That's solid. So number two, forgive me if I butcher some of these names, but Gwynsard Reinford, Lord Lord Gwyn, mm-hmm. you know, the, the noble lord Gwynsard, of yeah, Inglesa, who then sort of is I'm now give him man f- without a people. Yes, I'm going to give him a four because he's definitely, he's more complex to your earlier point. Um, he has motives. He wants to do right by both sides, but and he wants to maintain negotiations, but he doesn't want to get shafted. And he doesn't want to get his people on the wrong end of things. So he wants to... Mm, there's an element of ego. I, I feel there like there's is an element little, of ego. But like he is like very own, little. Well, I don't which know. Which I think is kind of due given his station. And I he's know, definitely he, got his he nose in the air come, in some ways. He definitely but, comes off as, to, to me, there's definitely an element of like to the manner born. Like the pe- people that are not as of the same station in life as him. 
he maybe looks down on a little bit. Like Laurent is like the one person of like the servant class that we've seen him interact with extensively. And he couldn't even be bothered to say his name properly. Right? Yeah. Because he thought it was funny. But Mm. it's also disrespectful. Right? Yeah. But that's he's the servant. So it doesn't matter. You don't have to. Like he wouldn't do the same thing to one of the members of the Heim family, for example. He wouldn't. Put your name name constantly because he thinks it was funny. And I think that that's a telling bit of character. I also think think that there's an element of him where it's like only I can be the one to conduct these negotiations. Like, are you really in the entire world the most suited? But I think he kind of feels like, well, of course it has to be me. You know, who else who else could possibly? So I think that his heart is in the right place. But I think there is an element of, of, of ego and arrogance with him. Interesting. Like with like with all you know great men, you know, like oh, I am the great man, and only I can, you know, like that's very it doesn't insightful. mean he's not a good I actually, guy, but I think you're right that they, that's exactly what they were trying to do. But honestly, I didn't see it um, until you pointed it out because to me he seemed yes, he had a bit of the pinkies up upbringing, always finely dressed. He's definitely the heir to something. We find out uh, in in recent episodes that he's supposed to he's like next in line to be the earl of whatever the heck bostonia castle or something well like he, that. Was, he was he was the he was a man with a title i don't know exactly what his family situation was like but he was they call him like the young lord of right. that whole re- basically that new whole england region, that whole sure. region and now mm-hmm. we're in the louisiana region which has a different you know and he's structure he's, and he's old he's, friends with the daughter of that he's out of his jurisdiction family, but, yes yeah. but yeah he is still you know uh, hanging out with high society. So I think I'd probably have to give him a three. I really find his character interesting, but I just feel like most of what we've gotten from him so far, like as far as depth, is just like hinted at. Mm. And we haven't really got, like I'm waiting for an episode that really shows us like his his, what he's his inner about. thoughts or his turmoil or like him like pushed to the breaking point where so far he's just been kind of like, yeah, he's had rough things happen to him. Like his city got blown up and he lost his whatever. But he seems to have taken it more or less in stride. He doesn't seem to be like, and I don't know why he's sick in the last episodes. Like, why did he get sick? I don't I, know. I thought that was a nice little touch. Like, yeah. he traveled basically halfway across the country. And, you know, in the level of technology being what it was in this world, sometimes you come down with something during a long journey, journey right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I thought that that, I mean, you know, that used, used to happen. People it would did. just get sick when they would set yep. out for you the have west died or whatever. They would dysentery. get sick and they, yes. they wouldn't make it there. Don't eat the red berries, yeah. I'm telling you. Yep. So what would you give? Is that another four you that, said? That was a four. Okay, so number four. Number three, Kihel Haim. I, hmm, she's fascinating, but... <laughs> we haven't gotten as much of her as you, as you think we have because yes. most of what we've seen is someone else pretending to be her. And when the old switcheroo happened, we've seen far less of her than we have the other half of right, the Right, in the very beginning, exactly. And I still kind of don't know what she's about because she seems to be, like, we know her thoughts because, a few of her thoughts, but not all of them. I'm going to give her a th- three. Yeah, I think I'd say the same thing. Again, just I find like like Gwyn, I find her I questions. find her intriguing, mm-hmm. but I feel like I just haven't gotten enough insight into her like who she is and what's making her what tick. makes her tick, you right. know? Yeah. And I imagine even as she's will, pretend, but... pretending to be uh the the queen, even as she's uh role flipped. She took to that so readily that it almost She took to it so readily, yeah. The, I mean, Deanna took to pretending to be her. She was she was good at it from the start, but there there were there was enough there there were enough like little slip ups or mannerisms and yeah. so on when you're that it, and it's informative about who she is. Whereas with Kihel pretending to be Deanna, she just seems so cool and collected the whole time. It's like, is she is she bothered by it? like? Yeah, you, you would, we get like two or three. You would expect there thoughts, to be a moment where she's like, hmm, should I really be making these decisions that are affecting the entire future of this race? And she's like, yeah, I'll just there do are this. a couple and, times that she asks, oh, would this is the Deanna? Is this what you would do? Yeah, but it's like, not enough. And I like the moment in the most recent episode where. 
they met, they crossed paths for the first time, mm-hmm. and she asked for Deanna's basically for her faith in going out and giving the address that she was going to give, yeah. which ended up being what it was. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. she wanted her blessing in that moment. She's like, "Trust me, I I know what I'm doing the best for both of our races." And like, I I like I like those moments. I like the I like the scenes with the two of them together. Yeah, but when it's just great. her talking to other moon race people, it, she just seems like it might as well be Deanna because she's the same sort of blank slate stone-faced you know ruler distant monarch type and Mm -hmm. she's pretending but if that's all we get if we don't have any scenes of her interacting with anyone else then that's all we get so yeah i would have to say three right uh sochi sochi heim she's a bit i like her because she's rambunctious and she's got spunk she's got moxie i hate Um, spunk i'm just kidding but (laughs) that's a quote Oh, I don't know. Do you know quote. that's a quote from? No. You don't know what that's a quote from? No. That's Ed Asner's character from Mary Tyler Moore Show. Oh, that's great. That's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, he's the one to deliver that line too. <laughs> he's so good. Um, anyway, um, I actually have to give her a two. Really? Yeah, because she just whines all the time, and she's all on the revenge kick. I like her. I like her motivation, but. There's not a lot. Hmm. I think okay, that's I'm going to bump it up to three. Yeah. She doesn't whine all the time. When when she's she, a lot of times she's most of the time she's all business, you know, pilot soldier type. Yes. She's she's warmed up to Laurent despite the fact that he lied to her from that's the beginning true. and is part of the race that murdered her father. So that's to her credit. Yeah. Um, she's she's handling a she's handling a lot. I'll of bump resp- it up to fa- a three. Her father yeah. died. Her mother went insane. She's she's handling it pretty as, well as much as she can. But when it when a situation comes up where people talk about oh let's let's we have to be peaceful. We can't fight back against the moon race. And so and she's like, oh, wait a minute. Can I just remind you all that they attacked our city and murdered my father? Right. Yeah. Like, and yeah, she she flies off the handle a little bit sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I feel like she's supposed to be like a 15 year old. I we know. forget sometimes I how know. young a lot of these people yeah. are. She's like a 15 year old girl who, who just lost most of her family yeah. in one fell swoop. And now she's thrown into a war, basically. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really like her character. I think that if she if she was still being being completely dismissive and mean to Laran. That's true. And, and if she was if she was like an incapable pilot or something and she was like way in over her head, then I would find her character more obnoxious. But I actually think they've done a really good job balancing her desire for, and you always get, you get the sense with her that she's such like a kind soul that, that she talks, she talks a big game, but Mm -hmm. if she was ever presented with the ability to like blow up all the Moonrise people that she probably wouldn't do it. Like she thinks she wants revenge, but she actually just kind of wants to give as good as she got a little bit, but she doesn't actually want them all to die or something. Right. I mean, maybe I'll be proven wrong. Maybe she's going to end up being the big bad of the whole series or something, but I really don't think so. But I actually think they've done a good job striking a balance with her character. I think you're supposed to find her a little obnoxious early on because she's like the young, bratty, younger sister of this noble family. Yeah. They portrayed her pretty well in terms of like giving her a reason, giving her depth. But um, but yeah, I mean, she I, I guess maybe because I don't like annoying characters. <laughs> maybe that's not fair of me. Um, but yeah, no, I, I stuck I stick by my three. What did you give her? I think I'd have to give her a four. Nice. Yeah. So Deanna Soriel. Ah, oh, man, she's hmm. I'm going to say four because there are a lot of unanswered questions about her. But she's really yeah. good. She's good. But I good. think that makes her interesting. I yeah, of course it makes her interesting. I think we've got a lot more of the series to watch. I think we know so more. I think we know more about her, her past, her motivations than Kiel, than, for than, example. Than, than, well, yeah. than any other character on the show, that, really. Yeah, that's that's also true. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. it be, but I think because she's such an interesting character that's got so many things Facets. things going on, we want to know more. But I think mm-hmm. they've given us more about her than than they have. I agree. Much. I think she's my favorite character on the show. That's nice. I thought, I you thought know, that's fair. The, that's the, very the whole fair. identity swap thing could have been 
played for laughs or could have seemed dumb or could have been just an excuse for like sitcom-y. Yeah. Like, ooh, I, I don't Lauren, know how to do Lauren that. Lauren is but my it's favorite. Been played, it's, but it's been played really well. Like she, I like that she told Lauren eventually who she was. So yeah. it's not a complete secret anymore. But she's not, she's not just like pretending to be this foppish, mm-hmm. you know, noble woman. Like she's actually like, getting getting down in there mm-hmm. and like doing hard work and she's she she doesn't the she last puts, episode her, she with puts the herself hospital. in danger you know she asserts her authority when needed but she like defers to others when like i think that it's been a really and it's smart because it if they hadn't done that we wouldn't be getting insight into so many facets of her character because mm-hmm. she would just be sitting on the bridge of that ship mm-hmm. giving orders mm-hmm. whereas here we see and through understanding her we understand like it's, it's crucial to understand her because we because she's the leader of her people if we don't understand what she wants mm-hmm then we don't really care about whether the moon race finds a home or not. And when we learn that, oh, there's other factions within the moon race mm-hmm. that are trying to assassinate her or they don't want to return to Earth or whatever, like we only care about that because we've grown to like her so much that we want her to succeed building a bridge between the two yes. people and finding them a home and so on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like, I think she's my favorite character in the series. Nice. I, Loran is still my favorite, but yeah, she's my second favorite. Just because, I mean, I don't, I don't think that she's a better character necessarily than him. I just think that because... She's more conflicted in some ways, and she's, she's more got built secrets out. that she's keeping, yeah. and so on. Like it's more, she's more interesting. It's more interesting to watch her scenes than because you're never quite sure exactly which way they're going to go. Like, is she going to lie to this person? Is she her identity going to be revealed? True. Is she going to like slip up or like? It adds a really interesting layer to her scenes. Mm-hmm. So number six, Harry Ord. This is probably the character we've seen the least of, but that's oh, the Queen's right hand guy the red with the sunglasses. white hair and the, yeah. the red sort of. Cl- Monocle thing. I'm just going to say sunglasses because that's what they look like. Um, I don't know anything about him. Well, we don't know anything about his past, but I feel like we've gotten enough scenes of him interacting with other characters because... to sort of get us. Get us. He's sort of is he sort of the char type of this show? Yeah, he's. The I mean, there's there's, there's differences, but as far as being like the sort of the command, the commanding officer, or the the sort of the ace pilot of the quote unquote enemy forces, who mm-hmm. nonetheless comes across as very honorable. You know, yep. kind hearted at times, very dedicated. loyal. To the, although Shar was anything but loyal to anybody, That's so I'm true. not quite sure why we consider that to be one of the defining characteristics. But um, well, let's just say principled. If we frame it that way, then he is a Shar because he's definitely got his own. Shar was loyal to his own principles yeah, yeah, yeah. above anything else, and, yeah. and if other people's well, that's why I took goals happen to, lo- happen to align like, with his, then he would be loyal. to That's them for why the time, I but. reframed it from using the word loyal. Yeah. But no, I think his loyalty is better than Shar's, obviously. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think he's, but I think he's interesting because I think there are hints that he sort of suspects what's up at times. He doesn't always seem like he agrees with the orders that are being given, but he still, he still follows them. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not necessarily the most original character for that reason. Like it very much is the, like the the sort of the Lancelot type, you know, like the noble mm-hmm. second in command knight. And of I still the don't kingdom, know. We you know? know a little bit about his family. So he grew up in a poor class. His parents. I had forgotten that. Did they yeah. tell us that? That was just a oh, it was throwaway a one-off conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just in a recent episode. Yeah. Right? yeah. And uh, apparently he also joined uh, Deanna Sorel in cryosleep. But he uh, was in a lower born family. And so they didn't. Yeah, this. they didn't. Uh, so they didn't uh, freeze them the same elitist way or whatever and so they took a higher risk seriously 
I don't know. They just, they just put him in like an they old freezer. They just put him in a freezer, <laughs> They yeah. had lying and, around. Right. But because of the quality of that thing, the risk put was you in higher here with and the his father peas. died. Oh, that's right. That, that I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So his father died. I mean, so, I wonder so if there were like, is there a mother? Are there siblings? Like, I don't know. But were, there, but he was, were, were there medical consequences for him too? And maybe like, he, maybe that's why he's he lost red it. eyes. Or yeah, whatever, like he's yeah. scarred or his eyes like melted or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But he built himself he's got a freezer up too burn on his eyes because he's he's hanging out with royalty now. So obviously he's not you know of the lower class anymore. Like he advanced since that time in some way, right? So. I don't know. I have a feeling he's going to be a major character in the in the second half of the series. Like, I think he, so too. He so seems he's like a the, three for he me. He seems like the kind of character that's just sort of there for the first half, but then becomes more and Important. more. I feel like the same will probably be true of Sochi to a certain extent. Like the I first agree. half has been very yeah. heavy on Laurent and Deanne and, and Gwyn to a certain extent. A little um, Gwyn. But yeah. I feel like the, the latter half is going to have a lot more of these sort of more secondary characters. Because yeah. that's very much a Gundam thing is that by the end, like everybody has... Everybody gets to do something kind of important, you know? Right, right. And there's like 20 characters and they all have a big moment usually by the end. And they either, then either they die or, you know, something else happens. Yep. Um, yeah. So what would you give him? Is that going to be... That's like, a three that's for a me. Three? Yep. So, so, okay. So wasn't what everybody about you? Doing? Yeah, three. Yeah. Yeah. But there's nobody on here that I dislike. I think that they're all Agreed. really... Agreed. Yep. I, I would say that... I mean, I'm trying to think back now. I mean, I love... Maybe the cast of the original series because I feel like that cast was just... Iconic, you know, Bright, Mirai, sure. Sela, yep. Char, Amaro, Frau Bo, Hayato. Mm-hmm. You know, you could just name them all off. The you kid, could. The kids. <laughs> well, but you remember who all those characters are. Yes. Right? I just say, and the kids, you know, and then the Zabi family, right? Yeah. Like, I, those were those those characters are iconic, you know, within anime. And, I, you know, even though you've only seen the movies once, you kind of remember who basically who they are who they and what are, their mannerisms are. broad strokes were. of their character, yeah. I feel like this is maybe my second favorite main cast after that original cast. Wow. Because there's nobody here that I dislike, but the cast is not so sprawling as like say in Zeta mm-hmm. where there were just so many characters and the character would appear and then disappear for 20 episodes and then come back you're like wait have we seen that character yeah. before and then they die and you're like was I supposed to care about that character yeah. like it's not it's, it hasn't gotten too big for its britches you know like I feel like the cast is it's a good size you know there's mm-hmm. like 10 or 15 minor characters that you're like oh I remember that guy that's what's her name's father or, right. oh that's Keith the daughter or, or yeah. the but young I, girl but that I bet, traveled I bet them. I bet even Kate, Keith or like Sid and Joseph right mm-hmm. the, Sid's yeah. assistant who yep, looks like yep. he's from like a different tribal area or whatever mm-hmm. i bet they're all going to be more important as it goes on but like oh yeah there's that guy you know mm-hmm. what i mean like sure but that's fine you know the white base was the same like there are all sorts of characters on white base you're like oh there's the guy that's normally manning that station or whatever yep. um you don't really have to know about them but i feel like zeta wanted you to think that everybody was equally important and remember yes. who everybody was and yeah. that's just not how it works it's you know feasible. what i mean yeah um but i feel like this is like in terms of likability and if and me sort of like wanting to know more about everybody I feel like this is maybe my second favorite cast because I mean we just finished uh, Gundam X you know a few weeks ago mm-hmm. but I was like did I really need to know a lot more about Roby or Wits or but no I think feel like I, I know about everything about them that I need to know they yeah. were fun characters but like oh they had that one episode where we learned more about their backstories and they both kind of like got the girls at the end and yeah that's fine like I don't I don't feel like I need to need to learn more about them you know what I mean yeah or, or, you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, but with these characters, I've, I'm intrigued by them, and I want to see more of them. So it's, I mean, th- there's only these 50 episodes, and then two compilation movies. So that there's no more mm-hmm. turn eight Gundam content, really. So I don't think there is anything more. I don't think there are any like prequel mangas or whatever. Even although I might be wrong about that, but um, yeah. So there, you know, that's all. That's all we're gonna get, unless they come back and do some sequel 20 years later or whatever. But nice. Um, but yeah. Okay. So should we talk about our? One show that we have this week. We have the one show. So we have the season finale of Star Trek Discovery, That Hope Is You Part 2. Wow. So I feel like 
I simultaneously have have a lot of thoughts and not really very many thoughts because I feel like it pretty much, with the exception of the very very, I end, have some thoughts. Yes, well, with the exception <laughs> of the very very end, like the last scene, I feel like most it pretty much happened the way we thought it would. You know, they mm-hmm. retake the ship. Burnham shoots Osira. You yep. thought they were gonna like let her live, and she was gonna maybe get I redeemed so. or have more. I'm like, no, she's probably gonna get shot. Like, I feel like this. Yeah, she went out like a punk. Yeah, she didn't even see it coming. She got no. shot, shot from within the program. You don't even see her full body. Like, she oh, just... like oh, is she dead? Like maybe that is was unstunned. But maybe... no, Burnham says later that she's dead. So it's like okay, I guess she's dead. That's yeah. fine. Um, but I mean, they retake the ship. You know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, they they bring Sukal off the off the ship. You know, he he faces his fears. They bring him off the ship. Um, they've got the dilithium planet now, so that they can Discovery can deliver dilithium to everybody and bring the Federation back together. There's a nice moment at the end where the like ah Trill has rejoined the Federation. Navarro is considering it. Mm-hmm. We see our friend from the first and second episodes again. That, that poor guy that was on that one relay station for like two generations, yes, hoping to meet anybody else that had anything to do with Starfleet. So that was a nice bookend that I didn't. That, that I didn't was predict. wonderful. I, I, I recognized him as soon as I saw him, and I had to tell you, I was like, oh look, look, look. And Tilly and, and, and the rest of the bridge crew and the little uh, dot units with the, yes. the sphere data in there got some nice i thought they were going to kill off owo there i'm like okay it feels like mm-hmm. there's you got six or seven people on the bridge we don't really know too much about any of them i feel like if you want to kill off one of them here to raise the stakes right. I would t- it seems like that would probably be a, a i did a feel the danger because i didn't choice. know exactly but instead it's like it's like they talked about on vulcan hello i guess they cut out the scene where the dot is like slowly dragging owo's yes. body out of the nacelle down and the step all ladder all the way yeah <laughs> which must have taken like 10 minutes so i don't know how he could have done how he could have done that while the bomb was going off but whatever yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were a lot of cool action scenes, right? Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. fight scene between Burnham and Book and evil scavenger guy with the frostbitten hand. Oh, right. right yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, that was the, nice. In the, in the elevator shaft. In the bizarrely large <laughs> elevator shaft, elevator yeah. <laughs> city. Yeah, was, seriously. Turbo lift city there. That's right. Um, that was cool. The, the, the run and gun fight with the bridge crew was cool. You know, the Burnham fight with Osira at the end was cool. I like all the the ship to ship stuff, you know, like when the when um, Vance has all the ships uh, yes. target Discovery, and yet somehow still unable to penetrate its shields. So they must have really given Discovery the works when they gave it uh, when they upgraded its shields. Yeah, most of um, them. But I like when Vance is like, you know, Voyager take lead on, like, hey, he said Voyager, you know, like Yay. I enjoy hearing that. And we get to see the ships a little bit more. We get to see more of like the Nog and the Voyager and so on, yeah. just a little bit because they sort of like moved into. If you notice them, that's good on you because I didn't um, notice them. I noticed a whole bunch of ships, but I didn't. I wasn't able to pick out a specific class or a specific ship. But anyway. But yeah, I mean, I think feel things pretty much. But they resolved in a in a in a um, satisfying way. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I thought was maybe it would have been nice to get a little bit more follow up on was the Emerald Chain because Kenneth Mitchell's character is like Osiris mm-hmm. chokes him out, and we're like. Oh, like is he's gonna wake up and now he's gonna like right. he's gonna change. Well, so she made sure that she's like the next time you wake yeah. up, the next time if this happens after you wake up, it won't. Yeah, it but won't then, wake up but the then the next time, time you see him, he's just on the bridge with. He's the just rest on the, the bridge. He's just there. He's helping Hi. him, but he doesn't really say anything. Yeah. He's like has he switched sides? I guess, yeah. and I then we guess, don't see him hello. again after that. Yeah. And Vance is like, yeah, the Emerald Chain is collapsing, and I'm like, right, but two up, ep- but two episodes <laughs> ago, you spent a lot of time explaining to us how that was a whole civilization yeah. with a lot of people that were yeah. dependent upon the chain for so so for are you going to help else? them are you, are you going yeah. to set up what's another, happening now are you going to absorb them into the federation after all like and i guess that's all for next season right but i would have liked maybe another line in there where he says and of course that you know, was my one be, criticism is that i feel like this episode should have been be, longer 
Well, it was already an hour long, but I feel like I, <laughs> I feel like all you needed was a line where he's like, "Yeah, the Emerald Chain is collapsing." Of course, one of your one of the Federation's top priorities in the near future is going to be relief efforts for them, and yep. in addition to delivering that, like all you needed was a little sure. line like that, right? Also, it would have been nice to have a conversation with Saru because I feel like he just off screen decided to go off and you know leave his career in Starfleet for an undetermined number of a uh, period of yeah. time. We don't really know to the it, point where the to the point where um. Michelle Paradise had to re- release a, a statement saying Saru will be yeah. back. Don't worry so, about it. So it did seem a little sudden, but for me watching it in the moment, I never doubted that he would be back. I'm like, oh, he's gone back to Kaminar because he hasn't been there in so long, both for him in his own personal timeline and, and, and within the span of the universe. It's been a thousand years. Sure. And so he wants to see what his people have become. Mm-hmm. Um, and he needs to be there for Sukal for however long, a month, a year, however it t- takes. Mm-hmm. But I never thought he was resigning his commission permanently. I'm like, oh, he's going to go off. He's taking a he's taking sabbatical. A, he's taking a leave of absence. Yeah. So he's going to go and he's going to do this and he's going to come back. And I never doubted that. As, and I heard people saying, oh, Saru leaving the show? I was like, I, I mean, maybe, but I, I never got that sense watching it. And so when they confirmed it, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much what I thought. Yep. And as far as whether, and I've seen people say, oh, it would have been nice to have a scene where he says to Burnham, no, it's your time now. You should be the captain. I'll be back. But until then, Discovery needs you to. It's like, maybe, but I feel like we've gotten a lot of like heartfelt big brother, little sister, tearful scenes between Burnham and Saru. What I felt like I needed more as a viewer was a scene where Vance expresses his confidence in her because mm-hmm. he's always been the one that was like slapping her down and telling her she shouldn't do that. Don't go, don't run off and do your own thing. Yep. I feel like a scene where Vance gives her the keys to the car and says, you know, this is yours now. I believe in you. Mm-hmm. Is something we needed more to cap off their relationship because yep. we know, because we could write the scene between Saru and Burnham, we could write it in our heads, right? Like we know exactly how that scene would go. Like how, what he would say to her when he says you should be the captain, right? We can all imagine exactly how that scene would go. Yeah. We don't, I feel, and maybe that, that doesn't mean we don't need to see it in terms of like the way that dramatic arc should resolve in fiction. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I didn't need personally, emotionally, I didn't need to see that because I can imagine how that scene would go. Whereas the scene between Vance and Burnham, that I wanted that to see. That was nice. Yeah, that was great. And, and, and some people were criticizing saying that they, he overshared, but I honestly think it was so well earned. And not only that, but somebody in Vance's position cannot really be personable, personal or personable with a whole bunch of people within his sphere, especially like, you know, openly all the time. And to admit that he has a family and to talk about his daughter and make the parallel between how his daughter studied math and how Burnham uh, does things sort of to get an end result, but definitely not in the way that you would think or not in any way that's in any training manual whatsoever. She really thinks outside the box um, in the same way. And to see, to identify his... (laughs) <laughs> it's just cool. Like now that we're parents, we sort of understand like, oh, my kid does something differently. And that's wonderful. And you you watch the cogs in their heads turn and you follow their thought processes, even though they're so different from your own. And for having Vance do that with Burnham, it's just so cool and validating and awesome. And I, I actually really love the way they handled her um, being taken aback by his compliment and his uh, affirmation of her deeds and her uh, value and her merits. Um, I really like that because it was just like, wow, that she the, the way she thanked him for the compliment and almost didn't take the captainship because she still didn't believe in herself. But how stunned she was for that moment. It was just so nicely written and performed. It was really I like that moment very much. 
between their in their conversation. Yeah, and I mean the moment. the knock against it is that she she's disobeyed like every order she was given all season. Yeah, and she gets rewarded with being the captain. But hey, I'm like, hey, captain chair. But, yeah. but I think the reason why that ticks people off is because we're used to captains in Starfleet going off book, calling their own shots, and being funny. Like Kirk, yes. Kirk, even Picard to a certain extent, oh, Cisco. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, every everybody like numerous times, and every Starfleet captain would say, you know, I'm I'm throwing I'm, out the I playbook. Know, is I know is, this is a violation yeah. of the Prime Directive. I know this is a violation of our mm-hmm. orders, but I'm taking the Enterprise back to fight the Borg. Oh, I'm going back and I'm going to go back in time and get the whales, or I'm going to do X, right. Y, or Z. Right? We're used to that, yeah, because we're used to we're used to captains doing that. Mm-hmm. And and but when we see a, a more junior officer doing it, especially when the person the re- like when Burnham does it. Mm-hmm. She's not rebelling against like when Kirk did that. He's rebelling against some faceless admiralty that sure. we've never seen or care about. When Saru does, when Burnham does it, she's rebelling against Saru, the captain. who yeah. we like, mm-hmm. and Vance, who we're starting to like. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, um, Burnham, do you have to do it again? You're going to make Saru really sad again, right? Like, but but look that objectively. Yes. She's only doing what all great captains in Starfleet have yes. always done, which is like break the rules for the greater good, right? Yes. And and really find a, find a different solution just, to the same just problem. Just like Mariner, right? Yeah. She's basically yeah. the Mariner of this show. Yep. Except she's a commander and now a captain instead of right like it's what everybody said about Mariner that was that Mariner would get, Mariner would make a great captain. I like the arc, but of, she makes a terrible ensign. So yeah, because she's doing all the things that a captain would do. Except you're not allowed to do that when you're an ensign, yes. right? Which is breaking the rules to get stuff done, right? But I feel like it's in the canon of Star Trek, and it's not just the fact that it's a TV series and your captain can't be demoted after one episode because they play by their own rules because then you wouldn't have a show anymore. Mm-hmm. I feel like. And I've read, I've like actually read like long think pieces about this. <laughs> it seems to be the standing um, way Starfleet operates that they give their captains a huge amount of leeway yep. to do things their own way. Mm-hmm. And if things turn out great, they get rewarded. If things turn, if they break the rules and things turn out great, mm-hmm. or if they disregard orders and things turn out great. Mm-hmm. Everything's fine, yep. right? Thumbs up. If they break the rules and things turn out bad, mm-hmm. then you're in trouble. Yeah. Because when you think about it, like a Starfleet ca- starship captain, they're way out there. They mm-hmm. might be they might be days, weeks, months away from other ships. Their first contact situations, weird new aliens. You've got you want people in those captains' chairs who are capable of flying by the seat of their pants, making spur of the moment decisions, saying, "I understand. I know what the rules are." It's like you gotta you gotta. But they don't fit in this you gotta situation. Learn how to, yeah. You gotta learn how to do Read things the, the right way before yep. you can learn when to break the rules. Right. You gotta yes. learn to play by the rules so that you know when it's okay to break them right but i feel like that's the way starfleet captains have always operated and they normally like kirk only got busted down that one time yeah because he got a bunch of klingons killed and blew up his ship and stole he stole his ship blew it up killed a bunch of klingons almost causing a diplomatic incident right revealed the existence of the genesis planet it wasn't that he disregarded orders it was that the consequences and but he saved the earth by bringing the whales back so he got his, a ship again right like yep. you break the rules and good things happen you get rewarded yeah so but we're not as used to see it like if there was a character on next gen yeah like picard probably didn't break the rules as much as a lot of the other captains but sometimes he would do but if there was a character on next gen if like Jordy, right yeah was always breaking the rules and, yeah. and not following Picard's, we were like, Jordy, what do you like? He yeah. would be, we would be irritated by that. Mm-hmm. But when the captain does it, it's okay because that's just what we're trained to think, right? Right. So I feel like the they people who push say the that- limit, you know, who who kind of pushes the buttons on that one is Bolana. 
Belana Torres. Well, there were a she's, lot of characters on Voyager. Uh, sure. Paris also, to a certain extent. Seven well, of Nine, certainly, little... although she was not official Starfleet. But even Worf, to varying degrees, like he would have yeah, situations where Worf. his Klingon culture or his Klingon beliefs but or his Klingon cl- duties would, would sometimes be in conflict. Like when he killed Duras or when he saved Jadzia's life instead of going all the way to meet that Cardassian informant, right? And the informant got killed because Jadzia had been injured and he had to take her back because he couldn't lose her, right? right. So they lost it in vital I intel forgot. and their informant got killed. Like he's always had trouble... <clears throat> prioritizing his career over other things in his life that are important, like his Klingon honor or his family. Right. But, but, and so that's, but that's one of the things that makes him, but he's like the closest next gen had to like a a rule break. Yeah. Sure. Um, But, but again, I feel like we're used to that in certain characters, but when, but what's, what's different about discovery is that our main character, Mm -hmm. I mean, most of the other Star Trek shows, the captain, I guess you could say is the main character, but there was never really a single main character. They were much more ensembles. Discovery is very much a show about Burnham and then also all these other people. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she was not a captain until now Mm -hmm. meant that we were seeing, we get so much of her Mm -hmm. and we, and if anyone's going to be breaking the rules and doing cool things, it's going to be her because she is the one main character. Right. And so when all we see is her breaking rules, we're like, we we get an idea of her as the rule breaker, but I think you, you kind of have to recontextualize it. This is what Starfleet wants its leaders to do. Yeah. And it's only by the fact that she made a couple of bad mistakes early on. Yes. That she's not a leader by now. Like you remember the very, very first episode of Discovery was Giorgio saying, I think you're ready to captain your own ship by now. But mm-hmm. then there was the little element of the, the little a matter little of, the cling, of the mutiny uh, that got her busted, da- busted down. It Whoops. took her three years to work her way back up to commander and now captain. But right. this was the this was always something that was just about to happen for her from the very beginning. Yeah. I also appreciate that. Um, oh, no. I had a thought and now it's gone. Oh no! You you do more talking. Well, I'll find I, my I, the very the very last scene is really nice. She she comes out. They're all wearing the new Starfleet uniforms, which mm-hmm. are growing on me. I mean, the, the the gray, sort of like a drab gray. I I think it would would look cooler if it was black or even white. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's growing on me a little bit. I mean, it, the first contact uniforms, which are always like had the gray textured yes. part on top, and the rest was black. Um, mm-hmm. But it's fine. But it's cool that they're all in the new uniforms now. I don't know why it took them a year <laughs> to put them on. They really should have done it as soon as the ship was I retrofitted. Suppose. Yeah, exactly. Were, it was retrofitted. They were part they of the fleet. Yeah. Um, but she comes out. Everybody's there. You know, everybody's smiling. Everybody's happy. And she gets her little catchphrase at the end. She sits in the chair for the first time. Like if that, that last scene was really nice. And the, it was great. The ship, ship warps off. You have this nice, nice quote from Gene Roddenberry mm-hmm. about how Star Trek has always been about people connecting to each other and how important that is to foster in the world. Yeah. Um, we get the original... Music over there on closing credits, which they they've done before too. Like especially at the end of season one, when the Enterprise showed up, they did the oh, same thing. Oh yes. <laughs> I don't know why it was appropriate here, unless they were trying to evoke that sort of okay. Now we're going were. to go off with a new spirit of adventure yes. with our captain and so on, trying to evoke that that same sort of feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really nice. I think it, I think it was a good ending. I mean, there were there were elements that I thought I would have liked some more follow up on that, or that on, seemed yeah. like it may be a little too predictable. And there were elements like the whole thing, but the way they treated Osira all season was weird. Like they, she mm-hmm. was stock villain. Then there was one episode where she was interesting, and then the very next episode she's back to stock villain again. And also, she's dead. like, yeah, <laughs> it's like you could have. I didn't really like her death didn't. scene. I didn't. Yeah, I thought the fight was really good. I thought the build up to her getting shot with the thing is was really good. Somebody pointed out that oh, I don't. She got stuffed into programmable matter, but I don't remember her having a gun. And I'm like, it's programmable matter. Like if anybody's gonna well, generate one, also they have one, the things where they, they can also have do the phasers have those, come off. Right. So there are two solutions thing, so. to that problem. Exactly. Yeah, she picked up a gun somewhere in her 
She either had one on her, yeah, yeah. She either had I, one I on her sleeve, or she that, had, yeah. or she literally programmed one. I would have liked an answer on that because I think that she's clever enough to have really programmed one in there, like in in distress, drowning in programmable matter. I think she still could have drummed it up and like shot it right through the through the wall, yeah, which was great. But her death scene was really like she gets shot in the face, and we don't even see her body. So there's there's a possibility too, because I don't know how strong Orion's are, but there's there's a distinct possibility that she could have well, survived. Burnham that. said she's dead. I'm assuming she checked. I mean, if you said a phaser yeah. to kill, I mean they had Orion's even back in Burnham's well, original yeah. time, so she would know whether a phaser set to kill would would, would kill. Do it, yeah. I mean that's gonna that normally that disintegrates people. So I think I think that she's pretty confident. This was a different kill. yeah, but this was a different this wasn't a disintegrating gun. That one is blue. Yeah, but so it's the gonna, nature of the gun I is have, different. I, d- I doubt that a thousand years from years from now phasers the maximum setting on a phaser is less <laughs> deadly, yeah. Less deadly than it was during during <laughs> Kirk's time. Stupid alliance piece of crap. Sorry. It's a reference to um, um yeah, I, I don't have any I don't have any problem with with the way she went out necessarily, but I feel like it's just weird that they made her interesting for one episode and then stopped. Like, it wouldn't have been that hard to have a few lines in this episode where she references, like, the fact that, why are you doing this? All I wanted was, you know, yep. to, to for my people to prosper and so on. And, you know, Burnham, Burnham even has lines where she's like, she's trying to, she's like, it doesn't have to be this way. We can still, yep. you know, come to an understanding. And she's like, no, kill. It's like, you could have had a line in there where she's like, I tried. And you, I mean, she does have a little bit of a line like that, but I really feel like they could have, made her a bit more nuanced here at the end because it's like where the character that was in that last episode, where was that character for the preceding and following episodes? It's like, mm-hmm. it was almost like a completely different character. It was yeah. just such a weird writing choice, but that's fine. I mean, I remember, she did, but she didn't need to be an interesting villain. Cause again, true, I feel yeah. like this, the Star Trek has never really had super, aside from the, you know, the handful that we mentioned last week, doesn't really need, Super interesting villains, by and large. Because Not crazy it's, interesting, it's but more she was about, great. I it's would... more about the interactions between the main cast and the sci-fi problems they're presented with and the moral quandaries and the anal- and the, the the analogies to modern-day social problems we're facing. That's more of what makes Star Trek interesting. You don't... I mean, yeah. one of the reasons we why the Borg is one yet. of the most iconic Star Trek villains, and they're not interesting at all. There's nothing... Nope. That's the whole point of them, right? Yeah. But the whole... The thing that's cool about them is, oh, they're like, they're what, if, what if we took our... unending army, what yeah. if What if we took our technology too far? You know, what if mm-hmm. we don't know where to stop? What mm-hmm. if it's just like whatever ana- analogy for whatever, like, all-consuming, you know, evil political side of the spectrum that you're against? You know, you can sort of, you know map the Borg on to, you know, there's, there's interesting things there going on thematically. They don't need to be interesting as a people, you know, you don't need the Klingons can be great Star Trek villains without having, you know, there are obviously a handful of really interesting Klingon villains, but you, the Klingons would still be good Star Trek villains without having really interesting individual Klingons because the Klingons as a race Mm -hmm. are what's interesting, Mm -hmm. you know, like the, uh, the Orions are interesting as a race. The Emerald Chain is interesting as a concept. You don't necessarily need their leader to be the most interesting character in the world. It was Mm -hmm. just weird that they tried one time and then stopped trying. Mm -hmm. It was just a weird choice. But otherwise I think it's really, I, I think it was a a good ending. Mm -hmm. I think um, a little less spectacular maybe than last season's ending, but I think probably more, Probably a better episode because last season's finale had so much stuff going on, and it was and with all the time stuff going on with the Red Angel and the signals and so on. Like by the end of it, I'm like, I wasn't even sure I fully understood. Like, wait, so she went back in time and did the signals, and that means that they follow the signals, and then they go. Like, I wasn't even sure I understood it by the end. This one was much more straightforward, and you could you could cut, sort of get swept up in it more and yep. enjoy it for what it is without stopping to think. Now, wait a minute, that means if she does this and that, and that, then her mother, but her mother was in the thing, right? And it's like one of the red letter media things where you have like the the five different voices start to overlap. Well, the yes, goes, yes, and yes. Then the mother, and then yeah. the red signal with the red signal with the mother goes, and then the, okay, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
you know, like that last season kind of devolved into that a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. I think this was a good ending. So we know that they're filming season four right now. Yep. Um, they're going to start shooting Picard season two soon. So I have to think that the, so we don't know about Lower Decks. We know that they're doing another season of Lower Decks, but yep. I have no, I don't think we've gotten any word on how far they are. Or they, when it's coming out they recorded out or the like episodes? Yeah. Is it being animated? Presumably. So I think that Discovery season four, I would bet very end of this year or maybe like I would so I would say like nine to twelve months mm-hmm. for Discovery and then Discovery season four will probably go right into Picard season two. Mm. The only question for me is whether we get lower deck season two right before Discovery season four or right after Picard season two. Right. But at that point I feel like we're in the long awaited promised land of nonstop Star Trek. Right. Because once they st- once they the, the the Toronto studio can go straight from Discovery season four to Strange New Worlds season yeah. one, and the Picard crew can maybe go straight from um, Picard to something else, or to I'm not sure which which branch of the thing is going to do Section Thirty One, but there's that, mm-hmm. and then of course there's the Nickelodeon um, Star Trek Prodigy thing that we still is still coming sometime this year, I think, and then of course Lower Decks. So I feel like. Now that they've gotten, kind of gotten over the whole COVID hump, mm-hmm. once the next, once we get more, and maybe we'll get some more short treks this summer or something to bridge the gap. That would be nice. That's what they did last year is they sort of bridged the gap before the new season of Discovery started, like six months, six months, they, right in the middle there, they mm-hmm. had those short treks, which had a lot of Pike stuff in them. And then mm-hmm. the one that was set up for Picard and the animated ones. Mm-hmm. So I imagine they'll probably do that again. But in terms of when we get another full season, it's probably going to be you know, late late this year, or early next year. But I think once we get that, then we'll be straight into, you know, it'll be like Lower Decks, yep. Discovery, Picard, Strange New World, Section 31, mm-hmm. and then repeat, basically, you know? Yep, yep, yep. Um, That'll be so crazy. That'll be so nice to have like a whole we'll have a Star roster, Trek, a, a, rotating, a rotating menu of Well, of, a year uh, from Star now, Trek. a year from now, I think we're going to have, we'll be in a point where we're going to have a Star Trek show, a Marvel show, and a Star Wars show every week of the year. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. I think that's probably where we're going to be. In in addition to all the CW shows and other stuff we watch. Yep. I have, um, I found my thought, by the way, which is that after (laughs) it was actually on the bridge of the uh, discovery when they were. Well, it's very dark in there, so it's easy to lose. It's true. I lost it there, yeah. I mean, it was chaotic. You know, Osira had everybody at gunpoint. Uh, They they captured Michael. And the conversation where she called off to Navarre, which I would have loved to see a little bit of action from the Navarre. Like they feel like they showed up (laughs) and then they didn't. Too late. we didn't do anything and it's no consequence. We didn't even okay. get to see the, see the ships. Nope. Because nope. the Romulans always had kind of, or at least I, I mean, probably objectively, I don't know how cool looking those Romulan warbirds were, but I always thought they were pretty cool looking. Maybe this that's because I grew up. It's like, oh, the Romulans or the Romulan warbirds yes. are here. Like they shimmer in from their cloak. and they're Yeah, all green that would be great. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the Vulcan Classic. ships always look so weird. Like they looked almost like they were made of wood like, or yeah. something. Maybe they that's the that next cool season thing. Look, and they had like a circle. Like there were a ring with a ship in the center. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, what would it be where you like meld Merge those two design two. senses? Ooh. Yeah, but they show up and there's like, there's nobody. And nope. at the very, very end, the Vulcan lady, yeah. Saru's friend, yeah. shows up as a, she's like, oh, I'm here too to talk to you, I guess. But that's... No, I mean, but was, that that was afterwards know, when they were like all rejoining that, the yeah, yeah and really, the Trill woman too. Yeah, I know, but the I, head of the I really world. felt I really felt great. like the the Navarre ship showing up had almost no 
consequences. No, it really didn't. That yeah. didn't ratchet up anything. But that's exactly what I was saying. Like, it would have been nice to have that scene a little bit expanded. Yeah. This is what I was saying when, this is what I was meaning when I said, I even think that this could have covered two episodes because, like, we didn't even talk about the Sukal oh, overcoming true. his fears thing. But again, the whole that, kind, that kind of proceeded. That was all really thing. well. Yeah, the gray thing was That was wonderful. I mean, those were, that was wonderful. But Aside it was from like, the gray stuff, though, all that thing, all that stuff, I feel although like, it was wonderfully done, sort of proceeded pretty much like you would expect. Yes. Like, Saru convinces Sukal to face his fears and then he discovers that it was his mother's death yeah. that led to him. You know what I would have structured it? And they bring him out of there. Can and... I just, I, I wanted to tell you, like, because I think I would have structured it differently. In previous episodes when we had the whole Sukal thing, the, the Sukal storyline, like, I appreciate that they wanted to take their time with the storyline, but I believe that they took too much time. And I feel like this Sukal thread uh, and the resolution of it could have been last episode. And then this episode could have been a little bit longer with those scenes that I feel like were missing between Saru and, and Vance or Saru saying goodbye to Michael for a little bit a while or whatever um I feel like those things that I felt were missing in the action sequences of of the finale could have been put in there and made one whole episode instead of bouncing back and forth between the Sukal thing and then the Sukal resolution that we saw with Grey with um Adira with uh, um, 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 not Stamets, the other one, um, Culber and and um, Saru and everything. Those were great scenes, but I feel like they could have been in their own episode in an earlier episode instead of spending almost two episodes leading up to this finale, um, talking about how he needs to overcome his fear and how confused he is and how the hologram is breaking down. Like they kept repeating those things, which I felt was really dragging it out yeah, and not I like not more... really adding so, anything to it. So I think one thing you're missing remembering is that there wasn't any Sukal stuff last episode. Okay, I'm remembering. Yeah. The, the Sukal yeah. stuff with Saru was, was split up over two episodes ago. Right. And the last, and then episode, last episode was all Discovery right. stuff. We didn't cut back to right. the Dalekin planet you're at You're absolutely all. right. You're but right. I do agree that it did seem like there were a few too many scenes yeah. of Saru talking to Sukal and everybody looking for Sukal and, and exactly. everybody figuring out what's going on with the hologram. My point is how interesting would it have been if leading up to the finale with uh, Michael Burnham being diehard, um, we would have had the episode... Uh, just taking place where Sukal and Grey and everybody else, like they're handling their own drama. We get to focus on that group of characters without being distracted by what's going on with the ship and inundated with action sequences and stuff um, to pull us apart from the interesting things that were happening with Sukal and stuff. Um, how interesting would it have been to have all of those scenes wrapped up in the in the room and then the the danger of the ship exploding with no resolution? And that's your cliffhanger leading into next time. I bet that they... I think... I bet that, that they went better. into that this knowing they were going to do basically a three-part finale. But I bet there was a lot of juggling in the editing room where scenes were moved around from episode to episode. Because I bet, I don't know what their intention was when they shot all of the Sukal stuff, like in the script. Yeah. Maybe all of those scenes were spread out over all three episodes right. instead of just episode one and episode three. Or maybe originally it was supposed to all be cutting back and forth in episodes one and two. And then episode three was... Like maybe there, that thread ends on a cliffhanger in episode two where the ship is falling apart. Right. And then we don't see them again until the end of episode three where Discovery comes and gets them. Right. Maybe. I don't know. But I bet when they were cutting it all together for one reason or another, rightly or wrongly, they said, you know what? Episode two works better if we don't cut away from it. Mm -hmm. So we're going to we're going to pack a lot of the Sukal stuff into episodes one and three. Mm -hmm. But I think I don't know if that was the right. So maybe it would have been worse if we'd gotten 
the same number of scenes but spread it over three episodes maybe it would have seemed like even worse like it's always like a super dragged out yeah because it's taking three weeks but for any instead of what we yeah. got was it was denser in episodes one and three and i'm not sure if that's better or worse because like you say it feels like we're getting so many scenes in just in one hour yeah of basically the same things happening with Sukal and Saru. So I'm not sure it would have been better to stretch it out mm-hmm. because you would have forgotten from week to week just how how repetitive those scenes seemed like they were getting right. or whether it would have been better or whether it would have been worse to do it that way. But I bet that there was a lot of discussions in the editing room and juggling scenes around like, do we which do we want to have them cutting back and forth in all three episodes? Do we want to have one episode or even two episodes where we're not cutting back and forth? Right. Because, you know, it is very a very much a Star Trek thing to have like an A plot and a B plot. And sometimes sure, sure. they are very different tonally and even in terms of pacing. And I didn't mind the toning and the pacing shifts. I just mind that everything, I just minded that everything was so rushed. It was a end. little, the, the, the pacing shifts were a little jarring to me because because mm. it, it was different in like say TNG when you would have a more actiony plot and a more like slice of life plot sure. because in TNG even the actiony plots were pretty slow paced you know okay. what I mean because yeah, yeah, yeah. it was the 80s right sure. but here in Discovery all the action stuff is so go 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 fights go. and everything well, else. Yeah, oh she's a, flash, a queen flashing Great. lights and crazy camera yes. moves and like everything it feels very JJ Abrams yeah, right sure. So that then when you cut from that to a quiet dialogue scene with slow camera moves right. and shot, reverse shot, it's really jarring, right? Mm-hmm. In a way that it wasn't in the class, class, quote, classic Star Trek yeah. of the 80s and 90s where even the action stuff was shot very <laughs> standard. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? And there was no uh, sort of action editing going on at all. For me, yeah. Picard is shooting a phaser at a guy. It's one long take, you know. I didn't bump on it as much as a lot of other people did. I think you're in the same boat as a whole lot of people because that's not the first time I heard that criticism where it was like way too jarring for some people. I don't know. It bothered me more in this episode. Yeah. Because, and I think that was because I was starting to be like, okay, Right. We get it. I'm ready for this thread to yes. resolve or escalate yes. now. It didn't bother me as much cutting back and forth in the first of the three parts, but this one it started to bother yeah. me. Yeah. I think they they I'm paid sure attention to a little bit of transitions maybe. Differently, but I feel yeah. like there must have there might have been something there cuz I feel like we just had I one feel like too many if it scenes slowed down a little bit of in terms of Sukal, like the, yes. So call you've got to face your fears and now he runs away and now we've got to look for him again. Our radiation things are getting worse. Worse. The holograms are being, uh, you know, fritzy, and it's Saru not really adding too much. expressing his doubts over whether he can reach him. Again like and again, yeah. yes. I just feel times. like yeah, they, they could have edited that mm-hmm. down. Yeah, you know? they could have. And and that's why I was saying, like, how interesting would it have been, even if it was way back in episode one. But then there's but also, then, uh, there's also then something to be said. In, in there's also something to be said two. for the fact you know, that, like, mind. if they packed all the all the Sukal stuff, say, into episode one of three, and then yeah. we didn't see them in episode two, because they're not dropping these Netflix style, because they're dropping them a week apart. Yeah. There's, there might be some concern as to like we 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 don't want the audience to forget about what's going on with Saru and Sukal because we haven't seen them in two or three two weeks, weeks, right? Yeah. So, so I bet those were also discussions that were happening. Like we need to have a decent amount of Sukal stuff in episode three, so that when it resolves. Because because I could I could easily see it going going the other way if you pack all the Sukal Saru Sukal stuff into only episode one or say mostly episode one and a little bit of episode two and all we get in episode three is the resolution of the cliffhanger where Discovery arrives and beams them up yeah uh, I feel like you you kind of, for that scene where Sukal finds the recording of his mother and learns the true meaning of the burn and then they all think maybe they're all going to die together but Saru is like it's okay whatever happens we'll be together and then they get beamed up like. You kind of need some of those scenes in the same episode as that ending for that ending to carry an emotional weight. If all you got was that, if all you got in an episode was 
oh, they're going to die and Discovery comes in and beams them up. So you need save some emotional the mother, ramp up. So save the mother scene till the till the t- uh, finale. Yeah. And just give them a little but bit I, more I padding. Bet these yeah. are, I bet these are the kinds of choices they were having sure. trouble making in the editing room. And, and maybe there was no perfect solution because you've got I three mean, episodes gonna, is like an odd number to you got yeah, two plots Star Trek fans are a nitpicky and, group we're definitely going to find some fault in no matter what the solution is that's for sure um, uh, the other thing I was going to mention is that um, I love the scene where Vance uh, where where um, Michael tells Vance to stand down I love that conversation on the bridge um, you know what I'm talking yeah. about yeah where she tells the fleet to not attack to stop attacking and she says like look we've got this trust me and I love how she says we've got this like and Vance I feel like Vance understands that there's something that she's planning like he knows that well, like, yeah, obviously he winds up trusting it's her also right? a bit of resolution to his arc too yeah early, exactly. at the beginning of the season he was going to break the crew apart and yep. send them off to yeah. ships to be reassigned it, and here by the end the, he has he has to have faith in them working mm-hmm. as, as like a, team, a cohesive as a team yep. to basically save that they're a family. the federation mm-hmm. and it's because yeah. they're a family that they're able to save the federation because she sends that encrypted message over the the calm that they do have and then she you know discards the calm trusting that uh, Tilly will pick up on the message and be able to forge the plan out of it, it um, from far away. And I, I love that because Star Trek working in silos is such a Star Trekky thing. You remember the episode of TNG when all the decks were separated and blocked off for yeah, some reason? Yeah, disaster where they've got to communicate yeah. with. A, they've got to send a message to engineering, not knowing if there's anybody there. In to lead engineering, it. And yeah. Riker and Data's head managed to get to engineering right at the right at the last moment. Yes. They see the thing, and Rose like, no, we've got to separate the saucer section because, yeah, because we don't know if there's anybody still alive exactly. down there. And yeah. Yeah, warp core is uh, warp core breach is imminent and everything else. Oh, by the way, the warp core ejection was so janky; it was like bumping against the walls. I didn't really like. Yeah, that. you, that's one of the things you probably want to be as smooth as possible. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Something that important, <laughs> gentle, gentle kid gloves. Um, but the other thing I really love is uh, Michael's um, Michael's uh, phrase. Michael's phrase: "Let's fly." Mm-hmm. It's so perfect. It's so perfect. So now, keying off of that, are you done talking about? Discovery, because I have a little surprise activity for you. Well, I was just going to say, as far as the catchphrase is concerned, I know it's cute because Pike had his thing that he yes. would say. And there was a thing with Saru and Tilly where... Yes. Was, and of course, <laughs> everybody remembers Picard's make it so. Yeah. But in the back of my head, I'm like, Picard was really the only one who ever had a thing that he would say. Kirk didn't have a thing that he would say. Cisco um, didn't. Janeway didn't. Archer didn't. It was only ever Picard that had a thing that he would say. Janeway but, didn't? No, I mean they would also engage because that's thing the thing that yeah. you say. But Picard was it was the only one that had his own personal quote unquote catchphrase yeah, that he true. would say, which was "Make it so." It's sort of be, that's so iconic that it's sort of become oh well, Star Trek captains need to have a thing that they say. But I'm like, that was just a Picard thing. Yeah, it was like an affectation he I had. Guess. Nobody else had that thing that he. Well, that they then would you're say. not going to like my activity because my activity is oh, if, if you to, were a oh, okay. starship captain, what would your catchphrase be? Oh, I don't know about that. Uh you think about it. Just give it some thought. I had all of 15 seconds because I just now spur of the moment Did decided you, that this you is have one activity. for yourself I or do. you have one for me? I have one for myself. Okay. Maybe I should have, maybe you should say what you think mine should okay. be. I think I would just say, <laughs> I think in saying, I think I'm, well, it's hard for me to divorce myself as like my reality as a Star Trek fan and imagine like, what if I didn't know that Star Trek was a TV <laughs> show? Because saying engage is such an iconic thing that I think I just want to say engage all the time. I'm not sure. That I'd could be, work for you. I'm not I mean, sure I'd want to say something If you want to be a classicist, then that's totally, that's totally what you could do um i i respect that a lot of people in fact tilly floated the idea that um saru could use hit it and just put his own spin on it hit it hit it hit it hit it yeah it didn't really work um 
Mine would be let's do it. I'm a doer. That's what I would do. I would just say, all right, let's do it. And that that's how I would do it. That would be mine. So, yeah. Do, do you have any? It fits me, right? Yeah, that fits. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely a doer kind of person, somewhat casual. Yeah, if that if if I were a captain, that would be my style. That would be my phrase. Let's do it. Yeah, I agree. Thanks. <laughs> well, you you're sticking to engage. I think I'd just stick with the classic engage. Nice. I can see that. I can see that. You could absolutely rock it. Nobody would question it. <laughs> so, why don't you guys tweet at us and tell us what your starship captain phrase would be? This is such a good game. Oh my god! Put a hashtag on that. Um, put it my Star Trek phrase, and then yeah, why not? Hashtag my Star Trek phrase. Um, and, and tweet us at Smarts Podcast, or you can email us, uh, mailbag at smartspodcast.com, or on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash smartspodcast, or our website is www.smartspodcast.com. Uh, is that it? Yep. How about a funny sound for us? Engage. 